When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brought to you by KDD Media Company. The truth of recovery has to come from you and you alone for you and your truth and your belief in yourself and your belief in how good you are. It's hard to do when you're deep in a drug how good you are because you don't feel good when you're doing it. Academy Award nominee Gary Busey is our guest this week on Knocking Doors Down. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the Knocking Doors Down podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's manscaped.com and use the code KDD. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast, all about finding purpose, fueling your passion, and living with joy. I'm your host, Jason Lachance, my co-host over there, Mikey Naraki. What is going on, people? Of course, I uh, am an alcoholic. I've been through some adverse situations, but hey... I found my passion and uh, using it to fuel my future. Mr. Naraki is no different. Doesn't kill us, makes us stronger. Look at you, all inspirational <laughs> hey, over there. I'm feeling inspirational today, baby. With your sleeve, with your with your short sleeve shirt and your tattoos all over there. Don't hate. Don't hate. I don't. I don't at all. Uh, hey, we had an interesting conversation with the one and only Gary Busey that we're sharing with you guys. Uh, hope that you enjoyed. And do us a favor. If you guys are listening to Knocking Doors Down, make sure that you subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and a review if it's on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, Spotify. We're also on Stitcher, iHeart. We are everywhere you can get podcasts. And, of course, don't forget to check out the full video interviews on our YouTube channel. That link is in the description as well. Uh, Mikey, uh, Gary Busey, man, I wouldn't have thought that when we started this podcast we'd be speaking with him, but uh, we got into some really cool stuff. Of course, his book, uh, Buseyisms, and uh, so much more. So we want you guys to definitely enjoy this interview. I didn't realize how tall he was. He's tall. He's a big dude. Yeah, well, he played football in uh, college. That's one of the things we didn't talk about. We got we get into football in this interview. But, but now you know. <laughs> yeah, but he did play college football. So uh, we want to thank, of course, 5150 LTM. We are swagged out by them whenever we uh, hit the road or are doing an interview here in the studio. You also see us wearing the gear oftentimes on our social media accounts. And uh, you can get... 20% off your order at checkout. How do they do that, Mikey? I was just going to ask you how it's done, Jason. Well, you, you go to the link in the podcast description or 5150ltm.com. Use the code KDD20. What is it? KDD20. Sick. For 20% off at checkout. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? What would it be? 
not to get diarrhea. <laughs> what do you think is your greatest achievement? Putting up with you. <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> what, uh, what was the source of uh, energy to get you to go in the world of tattooing? You know, ever since I was a kid, I loved how it looked. I loved how you can express yourself not only with your personality, but through art and to show people that without saying anything. What does it show you next? In God I Trust. What's that coming down your uh, right? Cali. Just huh? the state of California. Cali. Cali. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tattoos? No. No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Sheen said if you want to be an actor, don't get tattoos and don't smoke crack. That's what he told me. <laughs> Charlie, I've known Charlie since he's 12. Yeah. I was just like, all right, well, Charlie Sheen says that I guess I'm screwed. I guess I can't be an actor. <laughs> Did you guys ever work together? You and Charlie? Huh? Did you and Charlie ever work together? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, but not on film. Mm. Okay. I couldn't remember. There's some hooligan girls. Some hooligan girls back in the day. Uh, Mr. Gary Busey, great honor to meet you. And of course, we're going to be talking about your book, Praise for Buseyisms. I already wrote down what I got my favorite one already. So if we want to start there, we can start with the book, or we've got a lot because we're, we're big fans of you. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. That's very nice. Uh, you start where we want to, because you're the one starting it. So I'll be the one ending it. Well, let's talk about. Let's jump into the book. I love the Buseyisms. This one stood out to me. Uh, fraud: finding relevant answers under deception. And as someone in recovery, that stood out to me tenfold. So, how did you come up with these? And do you have some of your favorite ones? Fraud is easy because it's easy to fraudulate yourself unconsciously. Mm-hmm. When you're afraid of something or want to get out of something or don't want to pull forth your essence of power to make an accomplishment to an achievement, mm-hmm. fraud, finding relevant answers under deception. It's like uh, you're not being truthful with yourself. Yeah. You're just not being truthful. It happens all the time. It's an escape plan when you're a little bit nervous or frightened. Yes. And fear, F-E-A-R. The abuseism for that is false evidence appearing real. Whoever is in fear of grace of themselves. Now, when you came up with that, like, fear, that's really good. Is it's, When you say that, it makes me think of when you're in that situation. A lot of us in fear, we tell ourselves a huge story. What's that huge what, story? It could be anything. It's like, uh, uh, I'm afraid to go to the shopping store today, the grocery store today, because there's going to be an abundance of people and somebody's going to be rude or... It could be anything when we, when we create fear. In our well, when you're creating fear in that way, you fall into the category of being a self-doubter. Mm. You're doubting yourself. You don't want to doubt yourself because you're everything you are, you're everything you do, your purpose of what you do in life is you and your truth and your core. So self-doubting is fear. Yeah. And false evidence is very real to me she explains fear. Because what you're afraid of doesn't exist. It only exists in your mind, your fantasy, or your imagination being out of control. <laughs> and I'm a vivid man with a vivid imagination, that is for sure. Well, we all are, and that's a good thing. Imagination is good. Why do you say that? Because you imagine things that is the core of your truth. You imagine things that you are. But you're not aware of it consciously. Mm. 
You've had many past lives. All of those past lives are with you today in your life now in a fraction of their existence and their ingredients of when it happened. When it happened, back when, however many years ago, 35,000 years ago. One of my past lives I spent on Atlantis. I was connecting people with stars, with crystals, to help heal them. Hmm. I've been Native American, I've been a pirate. The Greek Navy, the Greek Naval Service, a warrior in the Greek Navy. My great-great-great-uncle, his name is Black Jack Ketcher. He was an outlaw. And he, when he brought a stagecoach or a bank, he'd leave a point behind. And it would say, I work for rags and riches. Try and catch me, you yellow-haired sons of bitches. <laughs> That's 1800s. Uh, I love the invented pirate. Um, do you think with, with the past lives, you carried a lot of that stuff into where you're at now, especially where I am? Your pilot, I think. Where you are now, not yeah. at. Where you are. Yeah, sure. That all the past lives you've been are ingredients in what makes you alive today. Sure. But we have a different purpose in this life because we're given different choices, different journeys, different avenues, different ways to look at things. And a lot of those ways we look at things come from a past life experience of how we looked at it then. This is going to be in the consciousness of your now. And the word now, N-O-W, that stands for no other way. Right now. You know? Yeah, being in the moment, being present, being here. Yeah. What prompted the writing of the book? My sweet soulmate, Stephanie Sampson, wrote the book. It took her 10 months. And she'd have a tape recorder, and I would give her some information. But I was looking back at it. I was a little bit afraid then, not knowing it, because I didn't know what to say or how to say it, whether I was right or not, or whether it was fully interesting sure. to people who would read it. And, uh, Every chapter begins with the view system, like romance, R-O-M-A-N-C-E stands for relying on magnificent and necessary compatible energy. That's romance. Whereas relationship stands for really exciting love affair turns into overwhelming nightmare. Sobriety hangs in peril. Oh, it's out there when you're looking and talking, seeing and doing. Yeah, well, you bring it up there. Of course, we talked before we were rolling, you know, me, a person, definitely codependent relationships, realizing that played a lot into my alcoholism. Well, why did you want to point that out and use that for abuseism? Really exciting love affair turns into overwhelming nightmare. Sobriety hangs in peril. Sobriety hangs in peril. Sobriety is anything. It can be drugs, it can be driving a car, it can be fixing your hair, it can be buying clothes, it can be the food you eat, the girls you see, the boys you see, the clubs you go to, the churches you belong to, your religion, your faith, your spirit. All those things can be an addiction. And the word sober, S-O-B-E-R, that stands for son of a bitch, everything's real. <laughs> you, you fucking nailed it with that one, Gary. Son of a bitch, everything's real. <laughs> everything you feel, everything you take in, the sorrow, the joy, it's all that real experience. I love it.
Best way to stay sober is get out of your own way with your thoughts, desires, and wishes, and loneliness, and fear, anger, fraud, chaos. Chaos. Watch out for that one. C-H-O-A-S stands for Critical Hate and Overwhelming Stupidity. That's chaos. <laughs> the Chaos Brothers. That's a band you might not want to go see. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Well, speaking of bands, um, well, not bands, but musicians, I definitely want to talk to them. When I first got to know you as a kid, it was a Buddy Holly story. One of my favorite movies. You were just brilliant in that. Ah. But I would really like, if we could, to jump back and know a little bit more about young Gary growing up, how you ended up in acting. That's really a story I don't know. It would be really fascinating. I didn't uh, Let me tell you this, guys. Sure. It's my theory. Acting is the absence of acting. It's believing in the truth of the moment you're creating at that instant without thinking. Mm-hmm. It's performing in a true stability of freedom. And the beauty for the word freedom is, well, F-R-E-E-D-O-M. Freedom stands for facing real exciting energy developing out of miracles. And every one of us is a miracle. We were born a miracle. We're a miracle now. And we'll remain a miracle. And we will remain a miracle past forever. Yay. That's truth. The word truth, T-R-U-T-H, stands for taking real understanding to heart. Yeah. Your heart is the face of your spirit. Your heart holds all the answers to every question you don't know you have yet. Hey, hey, heart. Strongest muscle in the body, the heart. Terrible drum. I got a drum playing right in the middle of my body. It's called my heart. Heart drum. But, uh, yeah, no, would you mind talking a little bit about You say, yeah, but no, that's a contradiction, right? Sorry. Your own sentence before you completed it, and I love it. <laughs> it makes I had a walkie-talking contradiction, Gary. Shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> you called me out. Don't be sorry. It makes it more interesting. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned your dad being a vet, and so it makes me really interested in your childhood and what subsequently led to you starting an acting career. Okay. I was born in 1944. My dad was in the South Pacific fighting. When the war was over, he came home. And I'm your dad. This is your dad. And I thought my dad was a picture of my dad on the wall. So I denied him being my dad. There's my dad. And dad... And his four older brothers were in the Navy, World War II. Dad was a CB. He built runways for the B-29ers. And uh, what I didn't know then, but what I realize now, they all brought the war home with them. The memories. The, oh. In my message, PSA message to veterans is, don't ever bring the war home with you. Take the memories you had back there that are bad and change them into good by dismissing them. They're in the past. They're not existent anymore. It's like walking around with a black head cloud over your head, shoulder, head. It's like walking around with a black cloud over your head when you bring the war home with you. And a lot of those guys did. 
That was before traumatic brain injury was discovered. That was before post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, they were fresh. They were rookies in that recovery period. And I saw what they went through, my dad especially. My dad was born in Benita, Oklahoma, 60 miles northeast of Tulsa. And his mother was half-blood Delaware Indian. So he was a quarter Indian. and He was the youngest kid. And he was an all-American football player in high school. Went to Arkansas, University of Arkansas, an athletic scholarship. It was very homesick. Couldn't stop calling home. Then the war happened, and everybody went. And Dad had a bad leg from a knee injury in football, so they had him jump up and down on his good leg four times. And you're a CB now, sir. CBs can do it. You build the runways. They had to build a runway that was really big in the middle and long on each end. And then in came a 29er, B-29. And the nose art on the B-29 was, her name was Enola Gay. And they, he saw them load little fat boy on the plane, atomic bomb. And until the plane gets in altitude and out of any wind, goes on automatic pilot, and that's when they put the bomb together. And then let's say Nagasaki's here, and the B-29's coming here. They turn, and there's a mechanism in the bomb holder that's like a machine that shoots the bomb out. Going back, bomb falling. The atomic bomb explodes one half mile above town, above ground, town ground. And then when it hits the ground, it blows everything flat on the ground in a 60 mile radius. Boom! Over. Nagasaki, Hiroshima got hit first in Nagasaki. The Japanese came to our State Department and said, please do not bomb Kyoto. That our spiritual, that's our spiritual shrine. It was the weather took them away, so they bombed Nagasaki. And everybody there in Japan were sitting there with a rock, like a cup, a river rock with a cup, a very sharp knife with two edges sharpened like razors, and that cup here to, to take blood out of your mouth. And Harry Carey's like, wah, 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 like that. And they're all sitting there after that bomb dropped. And Nagasaki in the war. Nobody beautifully. The culture of our countries are based in the past. And we've got to know how to get out of the past to make the now more clear, more safe, and more loving. And the abuses for the word past, P A S T is preoccupation about spent time. The past is gone. Let it go. Don't carry it with you. It goes. Stay with the now. That's no other way. And be nuts. Because N-U-T-S stands for never underestimate the spirit. And the beautiful thing about the truth of it all is that the truth requires no questions. Hey, we're done. See you later. You know, negotiation quick because it was truthful. Yeah. Anyway, I love having this talk to you guys. It's, yeah. it's such a release, a loving release of love and giving to me to let this information out that I've learned by experience. Yeah. 74 years of, of lots of experience. 76! 76! 76. I can't even remember. <laughs>
I gave you two years. Uh, 76 trombones in the big three. Both of my nephews were very excited for me to talk to you because they love Rookie of the Year. They, oh, man. They love that movie. I had never, uh, I played football when I was a kid. I played Little League Baseball. I got cast to be the pitcher for the Chicago Cubs and had a great trainer, Tim Stoddard. And the art of form of pitching the ball yeah, is very high. And I got to where I did it. And my fastest fastball was only 86 miles an hour. And that's 25 years ago. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty damn that's good. good, yeah. I went into a motorhome one night after filming. And Tim, my trainer, said, Gary, look at your right hand. I looked at it and said, put it down, square your shoulders, look at your right hand. My right hand was two and a half inches longer than my left <laughs> because I pitched for four and a half hours to the camera. Wow. You stick it out and go, ooh! <laughs> Pretty soon you're a plastic man. You reach through the catcher's mask and pinch his nose. <laughs> 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 In your imagination, yes. Honk. Honk? Honk. Jerome Pigs. Honk. Pinch's nose, the captor's nose. I love it when Jewish pigs talk. talk. Uh-huh. They go, oy vey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, what fantasies have you had with what you guys want to do? And it's, I'm not going to say when you grow up because you're not going to ever grow up, so be this free. Is true. We get older, but we can never grow up, right? Well, that depends on you. Right. That's what my mom always said. We can get older, but it's our choice not to grow up. Right. We can get older, but we don't have to grow up. When I saw Disney's animated film when I was 12 years old, Peter Pan, I decided then, I'm not growing up. (laughs) I got to learn to fly and find that island called Neverland. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Was that something that was filmed so huge for you when you were young? Yeah. And that did that really just give you that bug? Was there well, the first film I saw, my mother took me to a film. It used to be a theater about seven blocks from my house called West End. It sat on Western and 10th Street in Oklahoma City, and it would show The Paris of Pauline, a serial, 12 cartoons, and two double, uh, double feature. I go there every weekend. That was my babysitter, but it hooked me. And uh, mother said, I'm going to take you to see a film today. It's not the West End, but I want you to see it. It was made in 1949 with Victor Mature and Hayden Lamar's called Samson and Delilah. When I saw the film, Cecil B. DeMille produced directed it. At the end of the movie, she said, well, what do you, you think? And I said, well, where do all the people go? And she said, well, this audience goes out and another audience comes in to see the picture show. I said, no, those people. I pointed the screen. She said, well, they go off and they make another picture show for us to come see. And I said, that's what I want to do. And Mom said, you want to be in the picture show? I was five. I said, no, I want to tell stories with light. And that's, in a way, talking about spirituality and the ministry of the Word of God. Because the Word of Light stands for living in God's heavenly thoughts. So Mom, that experience with Mom was that first inspiration. My experience with mom with being born. Well, gotta back it up to the sorry. beginning, buddy. The, in the rewind in the theater, those experiences, and that gave you that that bug, so to speak. Ah, uh, it's a brand. 
there's a brand, the purpose of Creator had for me, which mm-hmm. is performing and ending with music. And I have been doing motion picture work for 51 years. I've done 170. I've been playing music since 1962 in high school and uh, college. Oklahoma State, and we took the band in L.A. and got a deal with Epic Records and played, and then acting started. It's just, we're all given, every one of us, you got to remember, we're all given a path. And our Creator's purpose is on the path that He's given you. It's given you. There's no gender in the heavenly realm. The boys and girls are both the same. It's a beautiful thing, because that's the way it is here on earth, whether we know it or not. Men are feminine, women are masculine. It just comes out in different ways. But it's all true and all loving, and don't let it make you nervous or make you, what? Just accept it for how it is. You'll be accepted for how you are, no matter what you do and how you are. It's like the word soul, S-O-U-L. The beauty system for that is showing others unconditional love. And unconditional love is the love you have for somebody, no matter what they've done, where they've been, whatever. You just love for who they are. And the word forgive, which is the strongest element of spiritual power we have. Forgiveness. F-O-R-G-I-V-E stands for finding ourselves really giving individuals valuable energy. And the valuable energy is unconditional love. The spiritual world is a great way to see life in the most simplest, released ways of living it purely, simply, and for what life is in giving you and you giving it. Life, L-I-F-E, that stands for living in forever eternity. And the word death, D-E-A-T-H, that stands for don't expect a tragedy here. So I just leave and go to another place and it's great to have a guy take you. It's, I've been there twice. What's death? That's a brain surgery after a motorcycle accident. December 4th, 1988. No big deal. It's just part of life. Got a reward. You're in it. Yay. That moment, refresh yourself with joy. And you refresh yourself with joy in a way that joy will never leave you. Because that joy belongs to you. Because you are the joy. It's easy. Just be what you are. And in terms of anybody else bothering you, don't let it happen. Because they're bothering you has nothing to do with the truth of who you are. The truth of who you are is a symbol of your courage and your identity of honesty, truth, and purpose. Honesty, truth, and purpose. HTP. It is not a car supply. Honesty, truth, and purpose. This is great. You know what's really great? It's your parents. No matter how you feel about them and what they've done to you, the bottom line is they brought you here. So honor them. All your heart. Don't take things personally negative. 
as that creates a failure in you from you. Failing. F-A-I-L-I-N-G stands for Finding an Important Lesson Inviting Needed Growth. So you don't fail. You just find a better way to do it. That's all it is. <laughs> a lot more than that, but that's a good starting place. A definition for sorry. Sorry. S-O-R-R-Y. S-O-R-R-Y. Sending out retractions regarding yourself. Sending out retractions regarding yourself. Spell sorry. Transformation. T-R-E-N-S-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N. To research and not stop for open rescues made and taken and offerings new. New offerings. More with Gary Busey coming up. We'll get Gary's advice on those who are in recovery and have suffered with addiction. Also, some random questions for you guys. Plus, who's our guest next week? Let's just say... Drum roll. Wild things might mean something to you, if you know that movie. Breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer to you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. What makes this trimmer different than all the other trimmers, you may ask? A new multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock created for the people who like to travel. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. And look-wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish, even features a hot foil-stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. Show that mower off loud and proud. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KDD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Mikey. Jason. Have you ever had a Pavlovian response? I don't know what that means. Well, so essentially, you know, when I used to drink beer and stuff like to wind down at night, I would crack a can, I would hear the fizzy, and then that nice drink, right? Well, now being sober, not doing that, I still enjoy cracking a can of something and that nice fizzy taste. Okay. So recently, stopped in my local 7-Eleven, and I saw Liquid Death. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm going to have to try it out. Just on the hook alone that it is actually water from the Alps, 100% mountain water. Okay, you're going to get me on like the rugged nature of it and kind of the the metal, you know, because I love my heavy metal. So I'm like... Liquid death. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and it said murder your thirst. I'm like, 
All right, it's in a 16.9 ounce can, a tall boy. What I used to drink when I drank, I'm like, I'm going to try this out. And I was hooked, man. That's pretty metal. That's pretty metal water right there. Yeah, it's really good. Like I said, it's available, of course, at 7-Eleven as well. They have it at uh, Whole Foods, so you can get it at a lot of different locations. Or go to liquiddeath.com. Check it out. Not only do they have the delicious water that it's just, it really is good for me. That, Like I said, that nice Pavlovian response at end of the night, still like to wind down. Don't drink anymore at all, but I like something refreshing. So I pop that top. I hear the fizz. My mouth is watering. I take a drink of liquid death. And unlike a tall boy, you could drink multiple liquid deaths and wake up not hungover, <laughs> but hydrated. You're right, and that is a nice bonus. So check it out now, guys. Liquiddeath.com. Or if you're like me, stop into your local 7-Eleven, Whole Food Markets, and other local retailers that are starting to stock the shelves with liquid death. The other cool thing, Mikey, we care about the environment, right? Especially the animals course you know i do liquid death comes in an aluminum can so what do you want to do recycle that some bitch it's just that easy turn it in get some money and go buy more liquid death with it and murder that thirst that's right not only murder that thirst but hashtag death to plastic go to liquiddeath.com and get a koozie two pack eight dollar value on us when you purchase a 12 pack and use the code knockin That's K-N-O-C-K-I-N, knocking at checkout. Also available nationwide at 7-Eleven and Whole Foods. We thank Liquid Death for sponsoring this episode of the Knockin' Doors Down podcast. This episode of the Knockin' Doors Down podcast brought to you by Podcorn. Yeah, if you're a podcaster and you've yet to hear about Podcorn, it's been phenomenal for us. It allows us to reach out to sponsors that directly correlate with our show's content. Plus, we get to set our own prices and negotiate with the sponsors themselves. It opens up an amazing opportunity for podcasters just like you and us. Not only does it give you sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, but you can also book interview segments, topical discussions, and more. You want to know what my favorite part is, though? There's no middleman. I don't have to go through another company when we want to talk to a sponsor. We talk to the sponsors directly, and so can you, by signing up with Podcorn. It's simple. Podcorn.com to get more info. So if you're like us, and you're a podcaster, and you want to cut out the middleman, no matter how how big your podcast is, there are tons of opportunities for great sponsors. Again, collaborate with these brands directly without any exclusivities. Another one of the great things, no matter how big or small your podcast is, you don't give up any rights to your podcast. And Podcorn, well, they're there to support you every step. They want to ensure that you're protected and compensated for the work you do for your brands. Fellow podcasters, with Podcorn, keep this in mind. Wherever you distribute your show, if it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, wherever you distribute it, your ads play there and you get credit with Podcorn and the sponsors that work with you. A huge thanks to Podcorn for sponsoring this episode of Knocking Doors Down. Explore sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast today by signing up at podcorn.com slash podcasters. Again, if you want that link, click it in the podcast description now. Gary, are you cool with uh, talking about my favorite film you think? Because for me, it was uh, life-changing when I was a kid. Sure. Not, yeah. I don't know if cool is the right word, but I'm open. Okay. I'm openly cool. Buddy Holly story. 
my mom was a huge rock fan. I, I grew up, you know, Beatles, Little Richard, Buddy Holly, that kind of music. And when I saw it, and having seen pictures of Buddy, I was like, wow, wait, how did they get him to do the movie if he's not here anymore? I didn't understand. I thought you were. That character was interesting because you talked about being in in it. Well, what I talked about was this, was uh, the people who made the movie had never made a movie before. They're from Philadelphia, and they wanted me to sing the song's life. And when I met him, I was the last guy to meet him. They met every actor in town. I said, uh, they told me stories about Buddy Holly. And I was saying, no, that's not quite right. And tell them their true story. And then I said, you guys, good luck on your movie. But I'll tell you this, you're not going to find anybody that sings like Buddy. Good luck. And I went off in the ocean to surf. I was doing a surfing movie called Big Wednesday. Well, they called me to the studio. <clears throat> And I played two songs. Heartbeat, why do you skip when my baby touches me? And then I sang, uh, it doesn't matter anymore. Falling is on. When I got cast, George Selznick, the niece of David O. Selznick, was my mentor and my manager. She'd heard me sing, so she said, Buster Brand, you're going to sing Buddy Alley. I said, okay. I did and got the part. And they're waiting for me on the mainland, but I'm in Hawaii, waiting on the big wave, big Wednesday. Finally, on Wednesday, a wave came, 20 feet high, sunset beach. I called and said, okay, the wave is here, I'm coming home. Okay. I got there, they gave me three permanents, dyed my hair black, gave me these dorky-looking clothes from the 50s, <laughs> the glasses. I couldn't find Gary Bruce in the mirror. So I did the movie. Well, I did the movie. It went great. Steve Rash directed it. It went fantastic. Everything was done, 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 done. And when the movie was over, it was perfect. And I realized several months later that Buddy Holly's spirit was singing through me. I was a messenger singing the spirit. I just want to hear those songs or you play them. And I start singing along, it sounded like a duplicated voice. That's just my spirit connected to his. Thank you, Charles Hardin Holly. I love you forever and always. God bless you. Mm. I'm proud to have been the messenger of your service, purpose, and wisdom, and love, and music. Okay. And it's still going. Man. Still going. What are uh, some of the, your other favorite uh, roles that you've had throughout all the of, years? All of them. I've done over 70 movies in 51 years. Right. That includes where I started out at the Bonanza High Separel. I was the last guy to die in Gunsmoke before they took it off the air. He took it off the air after 18 years. Really? I died with my eyes open and one eye crossed because <laughs> I hit my head on a fence post of a horse. We said, Gary, it's against TV standards to die with your eyes open, so you got to come back. Yeah. She said, okay, Gary, lay it down. Okay, get ready. Okay, action. Gary, just relax. You don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just playing. Okay. Uh, life is wonderful. It's wonderful for all of you. Your life is wonderful. Look at your life as wonderful. It's a blessing to have. It's a miracle to be in. And it's all for you. 
Your life is all for you. And what you do with it is your choice. And be sure and love the people that love you. And what's even great is love the people you don't think love you because they already do. Love is strong. Living on victorious energy, L-O-V-E. I'm looking at the camera for some of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, guys, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get together one day and have a barbecue or have some weasel souffle. Your choice. <laughs> I'll cook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in for a barbecue. I love um, barbecue. I'm from Texas. Yeah. Any particular type of uh, favorite thing to barbecue? Weber. Barbecue. Top. Three holes here, three holes in the bottom. Put charcoal in there and start it up. You're a charcoal guy, huh? And then put mesquite, uh, mesquite chips on there that are dry. And when those get soft and burning, put more charcoal on there. And when they get soft and burning, put hickory chips on the top that are soaked in water for 30 minutes. Then you got smoke. And put the, I have racks of ribs, this long, meat ribs, that wide. Put two of them on there. Put them on barbecue sauce on them. I use drawn butter and I use stubs and some seasoning. Put them on there and I never know till, till they're done until my mind goes, whoa! <laughs> it's like zen. And there they are, perfect. Cut, got a knife this big, cut them with a knife. And they're so tender, you eat all the meat off the rib bone, give the rib bone to the dog, and the rib bone's going, where's the meat? <laughs> Boy, it comes off soft, and sure. Yeah. I love the barbecue as well. My kids enjoy when I do. Uh, you had mentioned the, the well-documented accident that you had. How did you find it? What do you mean, accident? Uh, Got to define that clearly. Was it the, the motorcycle accident, correct? Just one. Just one. How did you continue to, because you're such a positive, uplifting, like, wonderful mess. How did you find positivity after those things? If there's people out there that maybe have gone through something of similar nature, how you handle it? Yeah. I learned long ago not to self-defeat yourself with the thought of negativity. I knew I would overcome this. I knew it would be fine. It's December 4th, 1988. I went to Harley Davidson without a helmet. 40 miles an hour. It had first into the curb, it split my skull up here, knocked a hole in that big. The guy from Motorcycle Shop, Gene Thompson, ran over, took off my gloves, stuffed it in the crack of my head. I landed with a few policemen who was only there scouting the route of the marathon race that happened the next day. Paramedics were one block away having a break. Boom, picked me up, boom, Cedar Sinai. OR, boom, Lauren Hooten, boom. And a subdema herma, toma. Pictures of him, that was this big. The way your body can swell and move into places of recovery. Sure. And I don't remember. I wasn't conscious, something like a month and a half. And the accident was on December 4th, 1988. And I became conscious on January the 8th, 1989. And January the 8th is Elvis Presley's birthday. So I came out singing, love, be tender. No, <laughs> I just was conscious. Yeah. And I knew something happened to me with the motorcycle. It was a vague memory, but it was true. I knew that. It's something, what you find yourself going through, when the bottom line is you were the one to achieve a recovery from it. With the faith you have in yourself, the love you have for yourself, 
and knowing in truth of yourself that this is not going to get me down. This is not going to end my life. And praying that way. And the feeling of the knowledge that it's true. The truth requires no questions. Yes, yeah. Everybody alive has the ability to take something to themselves and make themselves better from what they take from themselves. Because what they're taking from themselves is what they were given from our Creator at birth. Yeah. We come fully loaded, whether you know it or not. <laughs> How much time do you guys take researching what to ask me? Uh, I love it. It's really good. Well, I've kind of, I've followed your career for a long time, so... Because I was, uh, my initial dream as a kid was to become an actor, and I ended up in radio for 20 years prior to doing this. So I've been a big fan of yours. So what shows radio for you? Uh, odd Opportunity was telling jokes at a bar, and a guy come up and went, Hey, you're pretty funny. Do you want to work in radio? I said, Do you want to buy me another Jack and Coke? And he went, Done. And so I interned well, in college. Well, it is a good negotiation. Yeah, I interned in college. This lady right here sitting down for you, my soulmate, my partner, is an incredible stand-up comic. Really? Awesome. I love stand-up comedy. She's worked at the comedy store, Black Factory, Improv, someplace in Westwood, Santa Monica. So funny. Excellent. Without being funny. That's the key. Right. Yeah, yeah. I love stand-up comedy. Who's been, who's your favorite stand-up comedian in your life? My favorite stand-up comedian, I mean, Eddie Murphy. I love Eddie Murphy. I think he's delirious. I love that. Um, go deeper. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You want to go while I'm thinking? Uh, George Carlin and Richard Pryor. Tyler George Tyler. Carlin, yes. Don Rickles, yes. Henny Youngman, yes. Honey, who's your favorite comedian? Um, me. Good answer. Love that. <laughs> That's my girl. My Good girl. answer. I remember Don Rickles sitting at the vent with him at the table. He was, get ready for a new, get ready for a surprise. Mr. Warmth, Don Rickles. He is so nice and so genuine and so loving. One time he, he was having a dinner in Vegas. And his wife was sitting at this table, next table was Frank Sinatra and his wife. And John said to Major D, please ask Frank to come and say hello to us. So he did. Frank came and said, I'd like to introduce myself to you. And Rickles stood up and said, Can't you see we're eating? <laughs> <laughs> Plenty ahead. Today, <laughs> <laughs> <Save> Bob. <laughs> Can't you see we're eating? <laughs> you loud enough, Don? Uh, no! <laughs> what did Frank say? What, did, how was, what was his reaction? Frank laughed and returned to his table, said, nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, he knew, he knew. Rickles. Uh, he had no idea it was going to happen like that. Yeah. Gary, do you have any um, favorite co-stars that you had worked with? Maybe some, some stories that... Uh, not necessarily on-set stories, but maybe the relationships after some of those people? No, that's fine information. Everyone I work with is working with me, and we're not playing a game of uh, professional people. We're playing a game of partners yeah. in a performing level of telling a story with linear thrust. And uh, improvisation and spontaneity is my, that's my forte. Yeah. I love that. I've had some good times. 
Got some good relationships on the screen. Man. Work with uh, Mel and Danny and Lincoln Weapon. Oh, gosh, yes. Tom Lee Jones and Under Siege. And uh, Barbara Streisand and Christopherson, Star is Born. Dustin Hoffman, Straight Time. Jam Uncle Vincent, Billy Cat, and Big Wednesday, Surfing Movie. Jody Foster, and Robbie Robertson, in a movie called Carney about carnival people. Barbarossa, Western with Willie Nelson. Man, I have 170. <laughs> yes, sir. All of them have been great. Every time you go to a picture, it's a new birthday. It's a new Christmas, it's a new holiday. And the holiday is performing and telling a story and making it true to the viewer and the listener. Yeah. Affecting them with it in a motivational way to help them get a message of truth and honesty that will move them on in a better way. One of the roles that stands out for me was that of uh, Pappas in Point Break. Point Break, Pappas. He was a renegade FBI guy. That was so much fun. Catherine Bigelow, great director. And Swayze and Keanu, John C. McGinley, Johnny Feldman, Jesse Bo Jesse, Surf Boys, Glory Patty. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful experience. Said and had by all. And it was a rap party after Point Break. The Swayze, my brother, God bless you, Patrick. He wouldn't get off of me to take me skydiving. And I said, I'm not going skydiving. I'm a renegade FBI guy. I said, no, no, no. That's a movie. I mean, now. So he talked me into it. I gave him my word of honor. And we're both from Harris County, Texas. That's Houston and Goose Creek. That's your honor. So I picked him up at 4 a.m. Took him to Paris Valley, California, near on the edge of the desert. Went through six hours of grand school to learn formation. I did accelerated free fall, which means at 13,000 feet, left the plane on my own. Had a jump master on each side of me telling me coordination of my form, falling. You fall at 124 miles an hour. So you don't feel like you're falling. It's amazing. I fell 9,000 feet in 55 seconds. Altimeter here. So I pulled my ripcord and went up and felt like I conquered the world. And a, a chute is a rectangle, and you have toggles here and here. Pull this way, you go this way. Pull this way, you go that way. And you see, finally, you're coming down. You see the circle on the ground, which is 25 feet apart. That's the drop zone. And you're hit there. And when you hit there, when your feet are 12 feet off the ground, you pull both toggles down. The chute goes up, and you land like that. It was incredible. It was, it was uh, skydiving orgasmic. Which has nothing to do with copulation or fornication. It has to do with every nerve on your body receives, receives a stimulant of the power of love. I want to go right up again, but they said, no, you're not allowed. <laughs> so I ended up doing eight. Eight skydives. That's awesome. Then I said, okay, it's done. If you want to cross the line and separate the man from your boy, it's kind of and do accelerate your free fall. Don't do tandem where you're out with somebody. Right. I'm going to keep that in mind. What do you got, Mikey? 
I got one for skydiving, but I want to read it first. I want to read the Buseyism for fear, feeling exposed and rejected. Well, that's her definition. Mine is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. You're, you're in fear yourself. People in fear are. You know, don't do that. Just do it. Mm. Just do what you're afraid of. You'll find out. Why was I so afraid? <laughs> yeah. It's part of the emotional dinner. Uh, when you put together a character like Pappas or any of your other characters, what is your process of from script to what you put on screen? I read the script and read the scenes to see what the purpose is of the scenes. And it gives my, uh, my performing chef the ingredients to grill the character. Mm. And Pappas was, uh, he wasn't normal. He just wasn't normal. And they saddled him with this California, with, uh, with this university quarterback named Johnny Utah. Yeah. Some punk kid. Anyway, that was a collaboration that was beautiful. Keanu was 21, I was in my 40s. Or 50s. And Swayze was Swayze. Right. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So automatically sculptured without using your hands or your fingers. Yeah. It was beautiful. What does it mean to you that you have so many films that are, like Mikey mentioned, the um, uh, Rookie of the Year, Rookie of the, year uh, the Buddy Holly story? Point Break, and so many others that continue to have a life to them, to new young audiences. Younger people are finding them, like, you know, my kids are... Such as my nephews. Yeah. Well, the demographic for my movies have been from 18 to uh, 45 to 55 to 60. Because that's the ingredient of the movie that brings them in to see it. Mm -hmm. Plus the PR and the trailer. When you see a trailer that's so good for a movie, watch out. That might mean the movie's not as good as the trailer. Mm -hmm. But they have, a, they have an art in doing that, so sure. let, them, let, let them do it. Let them have it. Let them do it. Did you play football? No, sir. I was basketball and baseball. Oh, man. I did that movie for Chicago Cubs Rookie of the Year. What did I learn? I learned so much about the art of that. I bet. Athletic art. Whoa, man. What was it you playing baseball? Catcher, pitcher, and uh, left field. Wow. When my son was playing baseball in high school, we'd see the Dodgers when Mike Sosa was playing catcher. They went to Lowry's Beef after the game. And he said, the best way for your son to make money in a professional show is catcher or relief pitcher. Mm. They make the money. I should be in a catcher back there. <laughs> Everything's coming at once, you know. Yeah, but it's it's a uh, catcher. The position in baseball, people don't realize how much control of the game the catcher actually has. Well, the catcher, he does control the pace with no emotions. Mm -hmm. I know that. And who was really good at that was Earl Hershiser with the Dodgers, number fifty-five. True. Who's been your favorite pitcher in your growing up? Uh, probably Nolan Ryan. And then uh, Mark Eichhorn. 
who is the, the one-handed pitcher, because he actually played at the same Little League park that I did as a kid. And uh, when we had the big earthquake. Well, that's a familiarity. That's not the best pitcher. Hmm. That's a family familiarity. Yeah, I think it was because he was so generous to me personally with his time oh, that, sure. uh, that he just found a place in my heart. No, but Nolan was, Ryan, yeah, that's was, good. Yeah. Nolan Ryan was inspiration for sure, for sure. I remember when I met Brian Durham, he was a baseball fan. He was a guy that would throw the ball over the backstop. <laughs> he was funny, funny. I never know where it's going to go, Gary. I just hope. <laughs> Good luck. Batters come up yeah. full body armor. Okay, I like Brian Wilson. Do you remember Brian Wilson from the oh, Giants? Beach Boys. With the beers? Oh, I meant with <laughs> different one, different one. He had the big beard. He just had a presence. He was a relief pitcher. He had a presence, and then he'd strike you out, turn around, and just did his little. I don't Yeah, I liked him. He was one of my favorites. Um, uh, being from Texas, were you big? Are all your favorite teams Texas teams? No. Such as football? No, my favorite team in college football since I was in third grade was Oklahoma University. Oh, Oklahoma. Okay. Wow. Still is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. What about your favorite uh, NFL team? Well, I associated with Dallas Cowboys for a while. Sure. On board with them in the locker rooms and the boats. And Very cool. And uh, with Troy Eggman, Arsenovsky, Nate Newton, Daryl, Emma Kelly, Emma Smith, I mean. So that was during the time where they were beating the crap out of my favorite team, which was the Niners. Which is the Niners. That's your favorite team? Favorite team. Die hard. Why did you like 49ers? Uh, my dad was raised, born and raised in San Francisco. No, so I mean you. That's your dad. He brought me up to like the 49ers and would take me to games when I was a little kid. Those oh, are some man. of my fondest child memories. That'll do it. And I've stuck with them ever since. To this day, when I see the red and gold on the field, I get the chills and get excited and ready to go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know. You're addicted to color information. Yep. Not addicted, but yeah. Yeah. regarding the reaction. Sure. What about you, your favorite teams, NFL? Uh, Raiders. Wow, man. Yeah. Yeah, I get saddled with that. Huh? I got saddled with that. Saddled? Yeah, you know, that stuck to you. The, the, How come? Who saddled your horse? Uh, well, actually, it was a gentleman who was a mentor of mine. It was his favorite team, and, and uh, he would kind of give me the task of telling, looking up a little Raider knowledge. What um, was he to you? He was actually a PE teacher in high school. Oh. And I was going through some hard times then, and he really took me under his wing. And so it's kind of that uh, I would come with some Raiders facts to bond with him. And so that kind of carried on. He passed a few years ago. And so just that, that was for me for football. It's great. There's a great running back for San Francisco years ago named Hugh McElhaney. Hmm. He ran like a farm machine. Couldn't stop him. You remember him? McElhaney, no. That doesn't Hugh McElhaney. What year was that? Do you remember? Probably His rookie 60s, year? Probably 60s. Right? No. Oh, no. That doesn't ring. Yeah, so. 60s. Yeah, that's when I played basketball. I was 62. Mm. The earliest I remember myself going to a game, the first game was the 49ers versus the Patriots, and Drew Bledsoe was the Patriots quarterback. 
So that's how long ago that was. That was before the Brady dynasty. Now, how old are you? I'm 32. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. 42. You're both 32? 42. I'm 42. Oh, that's right. 42. Yeah. What year were you born? 78. 88. 88. And where were you born? I was born in Merced, California. Salinas, California. Where? Salinas. Where's that? Uh, Northern Coast, near Monterey, California. Oh, yeah. Here's a musicism that starts this chapter. Picture Melanie with Orion Gracie rehearsing for the fight and leave the weapon. Was that a fun, Mr. Joshua, was that a pretty fun role to tackle that stuff, the martial arts? Oh my God, yes. We did four martial arts. We had Taekwondo, Capoeira, Judo Jiu-Jitsu from Brazil, and martial art created in prison cells for close quarter fighting. Full speed, four nights in a row from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. And a rain that came, not rain, but water that came out of a fire hydrant. And the drops were that long and like big as your finger. They hit you like bullets. What do you think is your greatest achievement besides dealing with us? Nothing I've done is an achievement unless I've accomplished something first. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I already have it. It's called love. What is something about you that people would be surprised to learn? Everything. Everything. <laughs> it's easy. Uh, yes, sir. What advice would you give to your previous boss if you could? I said, the advice I have for you is to keep treating your employees like you treated me. And this is not a divide. This is not advice. This is a compliment to you, sir. Mm. What was the last song you listened to that you put on yourself, not on the radio, that you played stereo, radio in the car, iPod? There's a, a group from Australia called Cranford House. Okay. Mm. It's called Natural. All Natural. All Natural? Yeah. Do you have a favorite movie or music album? Uh, favorite movie? Oh, they're, they're all favorites, but I think my favorite all-time movie happened when I was 12. This Walt Disney's animated picture of Peter Pan. Because yeah. when I saw that, I made a uh, decree to myself that I'm not going to grow up. <laughs> You're obviously a fantastic actor. Who is your favorite actor? My favorite actor? Mm -hmm. Or actress. Either or. So many. Yes, I know. I've said all of them. All of them? Yeah. 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 Uh, growing up, did you have a favorite musical group? Was there anyone that you were more interested in than another? Buddy Holly, mm. Elvis, the Beatles, the band, and the Beach Boys. I'm sure you probably have a good amount, but what are your top favorite movies that you've ever seen that you may not have been in? Just Samson and Delilah, 1949, with Victor Mature and uh, Hayley Lamar, Cecil Touch of Evil, Orson Welles, Black and White, directed it, uh, starred in it, looking for a murder. He had Jordan Heston, Janet Leigh, uh, Marlene Dietrich, oh, uh, Dennis Weaver, a bunch of Hispanics in a motel. The third one would be Dances with Wolves, because I'm Native American, and Kevin Wedding his hair, Roddy Grant, Graham Green, Mary McDonald, Steve Zakaris, all of them. And then uh, La Femme de Quita was a film made in France mm -hmm. with Anne Pillard, with Luke Beeson. 
And fifth one, Sling Blade. Mm-hmm. I've been the fourth one, Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Fifth one, Catherine and Queen. Sixth one will be Wizard of Oz. When everyone speaks about loving Wizard of Oz, they seem to have a, a different reason. What reason did Wizard of Oz stand out for? Because you? I thought Wizard. I didn't know it was Wizard. I thought it was Lizard. And I was really wanting to see that Lizard. <laughs> you were waiting for the Lizard. And it, never, and it never came. It came in the form of a wizard. I said, what a green-looking wizard that is lizard. <laughs> I was waiting to hear Peter Pan. Peter Pan wasn't in the top five? Number one. Number one. Oh, well, not that one. That list I gave you. That's the movie that inspired me the most when I was young. Peter Pan. Voice of Bobby Driscoll. Written by James Barry from England. He wanted to write a story for kids that they could get into and love. And that's what he did. And the kids did. And still do. It's one of those timeless stories. I know I've taken my kids to Disneyland and we've done the Peter Pan ride, you know, when they were smaller and they had no idea what it was. And then here we are, you know, we're sitting watching. Have they seen the animated movie? Yes, they have now. That's the one that counts. Yeah. No, I agree with you. What about you? Your favorite movie? Star Wars and Jaws are a tie. Okay, you? Uh, A Bronx Tale. Oh. I love that movie. With De um, De Niro played the father, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that's good. I'll pretty much blow um, Casino. Let's blow. Blow with Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz. Let's see that. Yeah, and then Casino, of course, with De Niro Pesci. Uh, Goodfellas, I like those old-time gangster movies. Just always... You sound like an East Coast kind of guy. Born and raised in the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I love just the science fiction fantasy and things of that nature. And Not quite. With Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, How about old ones? Like it came from beneath the sea. Uh, for me, a lot of the early ones after Star Wars, Star Trek would have been 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, um, uh, Black Hole, um, Jewel. That got me into Jules Verne as a kid. Twenty thousand leagues into the sea, oh, yeah. seeing a Disney movie. Um, okay. And then Jaws just scared the shit out of me. It was the first time I ever felt really frightened, and my imagination went to the oh, area. Yeah. Feeling four, five. Wow. Yeah. That's young to be playing with sharks. Yeah. So, you know, that was sharks night on K O D C. Called Sharks in Australia. Got very reef. Mm. Fascinating creatures. What goes through your mind when you're stopped in traffic? Los Angeles, it's inevitable. <laughs> That's fun. But what, what are you fun of it? I have I have great CDs in my car. Mm. I have fun. Yeah. I just come to the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so you keep yourself busy, just stop to the light. Oh well. Grid gridlock. What are you gonna do? Good night, go. Red lights out. Well, Mr. BCM, anything more you'd like to say about the book we didn't discuss? Well, the book has everything I've been through in it. It's a motivational and inspiring book. It doesn't pull any punches. And it is very, very deep in its meaning. My death after brain surgery, when I went to the other side, the spiritual realm, the supernatural, that's in there. It gives people something to look to, listen to, and hang on to, to inspire and motivate them for whatever happens in their life. Because all of us have something going that's 
what is that for? You know, what is that then? What's going on? That's questions true. of life. The answer is the questions of life are in that book for me. And they can emerge with other people's realities. They're all different, but yet again, we're not. Yeah. You know. And do you find, as you've experienced more life, do you see how unique we all are, and yet at the same time, how ununique we are? No, it doesn't go that way. That's a that's an equation you put together that doesn't work because they don't even up and balance in the measurement of truth. Mm. And these books are gifts to you. They're my gift to you because of what we've gone through and what we've done and how you guys have slid the information you wanted to get from me, you desired to get from me. And I appreciate it so much that the books are gifts from me to you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you. Now, the $20 I charge for the books, use that for the benefit of yourself in a great way. Sure. Oh. Get $20 of uh, something you love. Thank you. Like postage stamps. Oh, <laughs> <I> post <laughs> I just remember something. You yes, sir. About a backstory for the act players I play. Yes, sir. For Mr. Joshua, Lethal Weapon. I do this because this is the way I wrap the character around me. Mm -hmm. And my heart comes through the performance and there's no IQ required. Mm. Mr. Joshua will walk through his grandmother's blood and slap it on her face with his shoe and never look at her. That was his coolness. Spent the whole movie like that, looking at him. I promise I'll kill you. You won't know you're gone. Gibson and Donner, director and Mel, when I read the scene for him, he said the hair stood up on the back of our necks. You pulled me into that character right there, looking at it. Having seen that movie maybe 50 times. And oh, boy. Like, I have a question for you. Finally. What advice would you give to somebody who is going through or has overcome either or the struggle of addiction? It seems like all the meetings you can go to, cocaine anonymous, alcoholics anonymous, there are people talking to you and giving you the drunk and the cocaine stories. But the truth of recovery has to come from you and you alone for you and your truth and your belief in yourself and your belief in how good you are. It's hard to do when you're deep in a drug how good you are because you don't feel good when you're doing it. Right. Addiction is a tough word. Just as tough as it is to live in, it's easier to get away from when you don't believe you're addicted anymore. And they say in 80, you'll always be an addict. That's bullshit. That comes from the 1930s. My coach was okay. Mm -hmm. An old dude on that. Took me to the hospital, laid me out in the shape of a cross on my back. Had a tube in my throat that big around. I felt liquid come out of my eyes and my nose and my mouth. And then I realized I've been dancing in a small circle with the devil for eight years. And he, the devil was leaving. I loved the circle and said, you dance on your own, buddy. I'm on my own. I'm free. That's it. It's freedom of self. That gets rid of addiction. Freedom of self will take your addiction away. Because when you're addicted to freedom, hallelujah. <laughs> yes, sir. And the abuse isn't for freedom, F R E E D O N. It's facing real, exciting energy developing out of miracles. Because we're all miracles. Agreed. And we are. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
Anything else you'd like to discuss, Mr. Busey? Hmm. This is great. What do you want to discuss with me? We really, I really appreciate, and that was a great question, Mikey, about, you know, addiction. I was really curious. Well, your perspective. I, think, I really believe when you get in touch with yourself and the truth of who you are and what you love and what you love about others, the more of the ability you have to love yourself is there. And that's the first entity you must love is yourself to love others and to be truthful with your purpose that was given to you the day you took your first breath from our creator. It's your game, buddy. Well, Mr. Busey, this has been a real honor and a pleasure. Same here, man. Same here. Legendary actor Gary Busey uh, was uh, was a hell of a time sitting down and talking with Gary, going over the Buseyisms, and uh, they stick in your head, don't they? What an interesting fella. Really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. Got off and, of course, talking about uh, some football in there, which was uh, fun. Football is supposed to ramp back up again, isn't it? I didn't realize. Oh, uh, I guess I knew how passionate I was about football. I always did. But Gary really brought that out. Right. Said, Fuck yeah, dude. I see the red and gold. It's like it's on. Let's do this. Yeah, I honestly hadn't thought that much about the Raiders, like how I got well, not a lot of people being do. a Raiders fan. <laughs> yeah. That's probably like you. It's systemic fandom is it's, what they call it's, it. I, was, I couldn't live in my house and not like the Niners when I was a kid growing up. You had to. I didn't have a choice. What, would your dad give you the Hulk Hogan leg drop or no, something? Well, he's 6'4", 240, so you listen to whatever the hell he had to say. <laughs> if he wanted me to like the fucking Lakers, then I would. I don't. Luckily, I'm a Warriors fan. Thanks, Pop. You little son of a bitch. You're going to laugh. You're going to like soccer, and that's the way it's going down. I don't want to like it. Yeah, right? Uh, hey, we've got many exciting uh, episodes coming up for you guys, but next week... We actually interview a girlfriend of mine. You guys are uh, you guys are going <laughs> to enjoy this one. It's uh, you, you are lying you out say? your ass. Oh, we're dating. <laughs> she, I DM'd her. She wouldn't give you the time of day. Just kidding. I totally DM'd her, but she didn't answer. Yeah, no, she is an incredibly sweet woman, and uh, we actually get her perspective on having had a uh, a marriage with someone who was in the thick of their addiction. It would be none other than Denise Richards, who was married to a former guest of ours, Charlie Sheen. Denise Richards. And she yes, was a blast. She is a blast. She is, she's just a great person. Really sweet, really fun to be here. And she smelled really good too. And not like in a weird way. Like, you know how you go on a vacation and like you remember certain things that stand out. Like, I remember how the resort that I went to smell. Sure. She smelled just like that. <laughs> and it took me right back to vacation to a very calm and peaceful place. She was just overall delightful. Yeah, no, Mikey wasn't a dickhead and said, Denise, you know, you smell like a resort I went to. No, see, and that's how it's hard to put it because it's like, yeah, she smelled like the resort that I went to, but the resort smelled beautiful. And so did she. She did, and she's just an absolute pleasant person, and uh, we're excited to share that with you guys next week. Plus, don't forget, if you caught it earlier this week, we had some bonus content that uh, was aligned with our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation, an organization here in our local community that we're actively involved with, where we interviewed uh, some teenagers that spoke on mental health because they won a scholarship on mental health, a part of the Race to End the Stigma program of the Carlos Vieira's Foundation. So we have another couple of episodes coming for you on Tuesday, which uh, includes uh, three individual interviews with some of the uh, recipients and then a roundtable discussion that myself and Elena Vieira, the president of the Carlos Vieira Foundation, had with these individuals. And they're just awesome young uh, people getting ready to head out in the world and do some exciting things. So we hope you guys enjoy that and check it out. Anything else, Mikey? No, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down. 
5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. Strengthening communities, providing resources, building awareness, empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the race for autism, race to end the stigma, and race to be drug-free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. Visit carlosvierafoundation.org today. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.